Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. I want to talk today for a few moments about <laughs> difficult people. We all encounter them. We all have them in our lives. It's funny how we all have them and encounter them in our lives, but none of us are them. Uh, it's uh, fun to reflect on that. Oh, okay, good. I'm told off. Michael's outed himself as one. I'm going to not comment on that personally. Some of us get a bad rap. <laughs> Some of us get a bad rap. Um, and sometimes it's difficult people, and sometimes it's just people who are normally perfectly pleasant that you engage with, but in the moment are... Uh, uh, creating difficulties uh, for for us or challenges uh, for us or obstacles uh, for whatever it is that uh, that we want to do and it can be as uh, minor as the person who uh, cuts you off on the highway or is driving slowly in front of you uh, to something more significant than that people in our uh, in our work life uh, people in our uh, interpersonal relationships our families um, uh, public figures Figures that we uh, that we uh, wrestle with and struggle with. So this is true on a number of different levels. There are difficult people all around us, and we encounter them on a regular basis. The Torah portion this week is a fundamental difficult person story. Korach and his followers rise up to challenge Moshe. Moshe, at least from the framework of the Torah, is presumably the good guy in the story, the person like us, who we are on on each of these occasions. In other words, never the difficult person, but always the encounterer of difficult people. And Korach is the challenging personality that that, that rises up to to put a uh, block or a barrier or a confrontation uh, in front of of Moses, uh, disabling or threatening Moses' ability to do his job, to, uh, to lead the people in the right way. So what can Parashat Korah, what can the story teach us about how we might interact with and engage with difficult people in our lives? It's important to remember in answering that question that the Torah uh, teaches nothing without a reason. That's a fundamental premise of rabbinic Judaism, that that every word, maybe even every letter of the Torah, is there for a purpose. So, on a global scale, the story is here for a purpose. It may be here for many purposes. Today, the purpose I think the story is trying to teach is, is how to engage with difficult people. But also, each word, there's no superfluous words in the Torah. So when we're introduced to Korach and his band... We're told the following about them. So they arose against uh, or before Moses, along with uh, men from the congregation of Israel, from the children of Israel. There were 250 of them. 
chieftains of the community, Kriye Moed, uh, 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 gatherers or callers of uh, sacred time and space. So in other words, uh, um, they were religious leaders as well, conveners of the community. Anshe Shem, men of name. So if what the Torah wanted to teach us here is just that these were not that these were not just your average random Israelites who happened to rise up and challenge Moses, that these were actually significant people in the community, it actually could have only said one of those things. It could have just said, that these were chieftains of the community. And we would know, okay, this is a significant challenge that Moses has. These are not just average Joes. These are significant people. It could have said, it could have said that these were people that when they, that when they called, people gathered. Right? They were real leaders in the community. That's what means. So why does it say that these were men of name? And what does that mean, men of name? Okay, so that we know that they were influential people because they were they were people that when they called Moed, people gathered. Right? They were Nisiyeh They were great leaders in the community. So what's added by saying that they were on Sheshem, men of name? What does that mean? So the commentators uh, uh, pick up on that language. It's strange language. That language is only used in one other place in the Torah. And what they say is on Sheshem means that they were, maybe they were popular, right? So their names were well known. Uh some people say that they were that they were they were on Shishem, that they had they had reputations, right? Maybe bad reputations, maybe good reputations. That's another way of thinking of on Shishem, that people know your name, right? People know who you are. The other place that this is used in the Torah is way back in Genesis, right before the flood, and we're taught in that portion in Genesis that uh, that uh, divine beings inhabited the earth. And began procreating with the with human women, and the children that they had were like demigods, were 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 children of the divine beings, and we're told they were Anshe Shem. Now, if you look in the translations, you'll see different translations of that. I think the Eitzchayim translation is that they were they were men of renown or legendary people. Right? These are the people of legend. Right. But there's another way, actually, of thinking about Anshe Shem, especially in that context. Because think about who those people were. They were the children of divine beings. Literally, they were the children of divine beings in that passage. Now, it's, we'll get with another conversation for another time, is the mythological nature of that passage, which is unique in the Torah. We can talk about that another time. What does it mean that they were children of divine beings? Okay, but Put it in the context of, of, of our, of our non-mythological Judaism that we tend to believe in in practice. What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be a descendant of God? Well, in most of our tradition, what it means is to be human. All of us. Each of us is a child of God. Each of us is a descendant of the divine. 
when God created human beings, God said, Adam Let us create man in our image according to our likeness. And so when these men, or these people, these children of divine beings are called in that passage in Genesis, An Shem, some commentators think that that's hinting to us that to be an Ish Shem, a man of name, is really to be an Ish Hashem, to be a godly person. Which is one way of saying to be human because all of us are godly people. Each and every human being is created in the divine image according to the divine likeness. Each of us is a child of God. Each of us has the divine image inherent within us. And so it's possible that our Parsha calls these men who rise up to challenge Moses, these difficult people, the parsha goes out of their way to call them. The only other time in the Torah this phrase is used, Anshei Shem. These were men of name. In other words, Anshei Hashem. They were men of God. They were, even in their difficulty, men who were bearers of the divine image. One of the things I think that our Torah portion is pushing us to remember is that we, as we encounter difficult people in our life, that they, no less than us, are children of God and bearers of the divine image. And so many of the Hasidic masters point out that if it's true that every human being is a reflection of the divine image, every human being in one way or another is an Ish Shem, however difficult and challenging they may be, then it is incumbent upon us to seek out the good in each and every person, to seek out the divinity in each and every person, even and maybe especially in difficult people. It means seeking out the positivity, the, the, the point of light, the point of goodness that might be hidden underneath the core, or maybe even the divine message that might be being expressed through the difficulty. So to just give one, because this is pervasive in Hasidic literature, but Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav, because he's one of the most famous, he says, da ki kol adam Know that you should... Judge every person favorably. That's a quote from the Mishnah. You should judge every person favorably. Even a person who is completely wicked. It is required to search and find within that person even a, a little bit of good. Because in that little bit of good, that person is not evil. And through that, when you can find that little bit of good in every person, and you can buy that little bit of good, you can begin to judge that person a little bit more favorably. Through that, you will rise up to the level of being able to, uh, to, to truly be able to view people favorably. You can even uh, help uh, turn that person in tshuva. You can un- identify the good within them and maybe help draw them closer to that 
point of goodness that's already inherent within them. And now we can maybe understand Moses' response to the challenge of Korach and his followers. So when they level their charge against Moses, we're told, Vishma Moshe, Vayipol Alpanav. Moses heard and he fell on his face. Moses heard and he fell on his face. Now Moses falls on his face a few other times in the Torah but never quite in a context like this. And so the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Shner Zalman of Liadi, the first rabbi of uh, Lubavitch Hasidism, said, It would seem that Moses should have been able to respond to the challenge of Korach and his followers immediately, right? They rise with him, they say, Moses, we don't think that you should be the leader anymore. Right? And Moses should have said to them, Oh, no, you didn't, right? (laughs) But Moses doesn't do that. He responds by listening and falling on his face. So why? So why did he fall on his face first? Moses wondered if maybe this challenge of Korach was actually coming from above, was actually coming from God. The Korach who rak shaliach. And maybe Korach was the messenger. And therefore he fell on his face first to, uh, to seek to understand, to inquire of God. If in truth there was some uh, agency, some uh, elevation, uh, that, uh, some, some leadership role, that Korach was being given by God in coming forth and challenging Moses. Look at the greatness of Moses in that interpretation. Moses' response to the difficult person, to the challenging person, is thinking that maybe the challenge that I'm confronting is actually being sent to me by God. That there is a lesson here that I need to learn because if every person is a reflection of the divine image, and every person is a child of God, every person is an Ishem, even the difficult ones, then every encounter I have is an opportunity for God to teach me something. God is trying to tell me something even through that difficult person. And so this is an incredibly challenging teaching because typically we like to respond to difficult people by assuming that we are totally righteous, they are totally bad, at least in that moment, and we just need to plow through them or ignore them or roll over them or just be angry at them. And our Torah portion says, no, maybe pause for a minute. Think about the fact that each of those people, difficult as they may be, are Anshe Hashem, are men and women of God. And maybe they are acting in the service of God as a messenger trying to teach us something about ourselves. What would our lives look like if we encountered difficult people that way? If we pushed ourselves to see the good and the possibility and the divine message inherent in every single human being? Might our lives be a little bit more holy, a little bit more godly? Might we have more capacity to grow and to serve our Creator as well.